Well, guys, real quick, we are actually going to have some of you guys speak. Just kidding. Not just anybody. We are going to welcome Bethany and Ricky up here. They're going to give you guys a little word. So go ahead. Yeah, give it up for them. Love those guys. Ricky's probably the loudest one in here, and we love him for that. Um, but here's Bethany right now. Hello, everyone. How are we all doing tonight? Well, like Alex said, my name is Bethany. Very happy to be here. Uh, I wanted to start off my little talk with a statistic because I'm a very analytical person. 85% uh, of the world's population suffers from low self-esteem. It's a pretty big statistic, and I don't think any of us are surprised by it because I think we all deal with it in our own way. Um, what I'm going to be talking about tonight is my personal journey from having a me-focused self-worth to having a God-focused self-worth and some of the steps that I took to get there. So a little bit about me. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, um, but it was still very much a religion and didn't really have a relationship. This led for me having an, a bit of an identity crisis because I found no worth in myself. So I tried to find my worth in my intellect. So that led to extremely high accolades, but that often left me feeling exhausted, frustrated, and empty. This brings me to when I was about 16, 17 years old, where I was about a uh, point in my life where everything around me was falling apart. Change was happening, and I was not handling it well. So I looked to the one thing that I could control, and that was my food. This turned into a classic case of anorexia, which if you're unfamiliar with that, is when a person intentionally starves himself. Um, it is not, a lot of people think it's viewed upon, you know, having a basic look of having imperfections or flaws, but a lot of people do it because they feel a loss of control and that's the one thing that they try to hold on to. So bringing me to about 18 years old, I hit the lowest point that I've ever had in my life. Um, I was about 100 pounds, so literally skin and bones. Uh, I was partaking in self-harm, trying to numb the pain that I felt inside. I had no job because I was fainting all the time. I had no friends, no family because I became very bitter and very angry. Um, and at this point also, I had internal bleeding going on and they basically gave me a few months to live if I didn't change my ways. This is where Jesus enters the picture. Uh, he was never not there, pardon the double negative, but this was a point in my life where I was really ready to let him take control and let him take the lead. So I'm in my room, I'm just a total mess. And I hear this voice in my head, it was so loud, it was like someone was sitting right next to me. And that voice said, don't quit, I'm not done with you. And that lit a spark inside of me. I began to see myself the way that God began to see me. For so often, I was saying, God, take this, just take this away. But what he showed to me is I was saying, God, take this, just take this. Yet I wasn't willing to give up the illusion of control that I thought I had. And this was his invitation to me saying, I'm ready for you to let it go. I'm ready for you to surrender that over to me. So I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to start. So I took out my spiritual rubbish bin and I put my pride and my fear and the control that I thought I had and all the what ifs and all the should and I lit them on fire because that is a great stress reliever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so... 
I also want to point out and make a point of this that as pivotal of a moment as this was in my life, I was not healed on the spot. It took many years of counseling and therapy and personal support to get to where I am now. And I want to make an emphasis, if you have a testimony that was not automatically healed on the spot, it does not make your testimony any less valid or any less important because God can work through everything. So if I can leave you with one sentence that I want you to remember while I'm up here is that self-worth comes from God. It does not come from what we look like or what achievements we have. Self-worth is the opinion or value that we put on ourselves. So if I'm constantly looking at myself through the tinted viewpoint of society, I will always end up feeling like I'm not enough or there's always something to be improved upon. I highly encourage you to never look at yourself through the standards of society. Those are unreachable expectations that will always make us feel empty. Society tells us to focus on ourselves and compare to people around us. God tells us to focus on him and he will make our path straight regardless of our circumstances or our feelings. So this past year has been an incredible growing season for me. Um, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but my brain is constantly buzzing. There's always stuff going on. And for a while, most of myself talk was negative. And this was really vital for me, especially in the discipleship program. Taught me a lot of tools about keeping God at the focal point of my thoughts. Also during this past year, he started removing words from my vocabulary, one word in particular. It's not a cuss word, don't worry. It should be a cuss word, but it's not a cuss word. Um, that word was ashamed. That was a word that I identified myself with for a very long time. And he told me, he's like, I want you to be done believing the lie that you were shameful. I was like, okay. Everyone doing okay? This sitting well with everyone? Okay. So I want to give you a couple tips that were vital for me in this journey and continue to be vital, vital for me for having a God-focused uh, self-worth. I think we can all agree that the devil tries to get at us whatever way he can, whether it be social media, what we watch, what we listen to, always telling us that we're not enough. So I'm a very visual person, so I brought up a prop because I love props. So these are my sunglasses, or I like to call them my hippie glasses. Uh, and when I put them on, I do not see the world as it is. I see them through the rose tint of the glasses. And I think it's the same way with society. It's the toxic viewpoint that we view it through. Is we look through it, and we're not seeing reality, but we're seeing what society is telling us about reality. And I recognize that I was putting on these glasses this toxic viewpoint of how I viewed myself and how I viewed the world. And I've got a couple slides coming up, Alec, if you were prepared for that. But every time that I felt tempted to put on these glasses, I said, I am taking off the glasses of society that say I am a mistake. And I say, no, Psalm 139.14, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I take off the lens of society that says I am replaceable. And I say, no, I am chosen. Ephesians 1 verse 5, I am predestined and lovingly planned. I take off the lenses of society that say I need to prove myself. And I say, no, I don't need to prove my value. Luke 12 verse 7, God does not forget even one of the sparrows, how much more valuable I am to him. I take off the lenses of society that say I need to listen to all the voices in my head. And I say, no, Colossians 3, 2 through 3, that I am focusing my thoughts on higher things habitually, meaning an acquired behavior that almost becomes intentionally, oh my goodness. Okay, I watched way too many Pentecostal things this morning. Woo! 
but that I have died to this world and that I am made new and real in Jesus Christ. When I started asking God, God, who do you say Bethany is? He painted me this beautiful picture that I never would have painted myself. He showed me a woman that was loved, that was cherished, that was beautiful, and that was talented. And it had nothing to do with what she looked like or what degree she held in her hand. So I want to leave us all with a question here tonight. And I want to let you meditate on this tonight, tomorrow, the day after, the day after. Keep it, keep it with you. Is that are we willing to take off the rose-colored glasses of perceived perfection and control? And are we willing to put on the glasses that Jesus willingly gives to us that show us our true, authentic, and unique selves? So that's all I have for you tonight. Um, and thank you. And Oh, you guys are too kind. Thank you. Um, but I want to welcome up uh, a very special person. His name is Ricky. This man, I have had the joy of getting to know and he inspires me on a daily basis, and I am very excited for you guys to hear what he has to say. This is payback, huh? So I tend to do that when Jake's speaking. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I wanted to, to, to make this actually about a conversation. I wanted to make it really personal. But before I go into it, I actually wanted to show you my family. So Alex, if you put up the first slide there. These are my pride and joys. That's my beautiful wife. That's my son, Jed. The other one's in her belly still. So do April 5th. Come on, let's, we can do it. The next one, please. It's just a stud, man. I'm proud of him. Everything that he does. I mean, he's, I mean look at him. He's beautiful. Next one. He's got a dirt. I mean, look at that. He's got that like cheesy little personality. That's one of my favorite things about him. And then with that being said, next one's my favorite. Oh, that's our family in one picture. It's one of my favorites. It's very dear. So I actually wanted to say, <laughs> yes. I actually wanted to start off tonight by, uh, by praying through this. And so if you guys want to close your eyes real quick, God, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you that it's your words, not mine. I thank you, Lord, that whatever I have to say, God, I thank you that you can use it to further your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. So we start off in Luke 15, 17 through 24, if you want to put the verse up there. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. We were hearing the, the story of the prodigal son. And um, I think about this moment. And I asked God, God, what did you want to say? And he brought me here and in, in the moment when he, he has this built-up conversation in his head of how it's supposed to be, he, he, got to, he gets it finalized, and then he approaches his father. And then if you ever hear the, I mean, if you ever read through the story, at the end of it, his father embraces him, and it totally blows his mind because what he expected wasn't actually happening. 
And I want to talk to you about how when you come to someone, you're able to actually have that person that you can be vulnerable with, finding that mentor, finding that one person that you can connect with and be who you are with um, and, and tell you how valuable it is, but also remembering that sometimes what we expect isn't actually what's going to happen. So the story of how my testimony ties in with this story um, is before I actually dated Kayla, I sat down and uh, talked to her dad at a Panera. I asked her, I was like, hey, sir, he's a pastor. Um, I'm asking for his baby daughter's hand to date, okay? And I remember three things coming out of that conversation. He said, first off, if you know who he is, he said, don't be a bum. Get a full-time job. I was like, okay, I can do that. Don't be a spiritual bum. I was like, okay, I can do that. And he said, keep her pure. I was like, okay, I can do that. And one of those things I did, one of them I'm still doing, and the last one created more problems. I'm no longer employed. And so, no, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> no, so just being real with you guys, again, conversation, me and her actually ended up uh, having sex outside of marriage. And the result was we never said anything to him. We kept it to ourselves, and it kept us in shame. It actually brought me to a place where I could, when I was around him, I couldn't be who I was. When I was around him, I had to put up this facade that everything was okay, and that was okay. Fast forward, we're in our apartment, we're living, we're married, pregnant with our firstborn, we're looking for a house at this point, and I go to this thing called Quest. And during this trip, God tells me, he goes, hey, you, are you all in? And I said, yes, Lord, I'll be obedient, I'm, I'm all in. And he goes, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, Lord, I am. And what ends up happening is he said, you should tell him. And I'm like, no, God, you're, I'm good, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, I ask him, I'm like, why? Why? At this point, we're already married. Why bother with it? And he said, I cannot use you because of the fear you have. There will be people who need to hear your story, and this, song, this stronghold will never be broken. Right. I was like, okay, well, that's a straight-up answer. Got it. <laughs> so when I got back, I told myself I was going to do it. When I got home, I was like, not doing it. Fast forward, now at this point, God has this thing where he, he makes it easy for you. You know, I mean, I think about Jonah. God literally puts him right in the belly of the whale. Anyways, to move past that, I, he puts me in my belly of the whale, which is, okay, I came out wrong, in the belly of the whale. And uh, <laughs> at this point, I was living under his roof, okay? And I remember, I, I could hear God tell me, hey, you remember that one thing I asked you to do? I was like, no, Lord, I don't. And uh, his response was, uh, <laughs> I, t I remember telling Kayla, I was like, babe, God wants me to do it. And uh, she encouraged me. She was like, okay, I mean, you have to, if, if the Lord's telling you. And I get ready and muster up some courage. And I was like, but can you do it with me? Like, can you just stand behind me? Because if I do it with you, he won't rip me a new one. I'm sorry. If that, is that okay to say? Um, and right before I go and tell him, they leave for vacation. So I'm sitting there pondering on this thing for two weeks, like, am I going to do this? No. The Lord's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. And that night, I mean, so that, two weeks later, I'm laying in bed, and I'm looking at my wife, and God tells me, you got to do this alone. I'm like, Lord, why would you tell me that? 
But I remember looking at her and thinking about the future and all the things that were going to happen in the future. I mean, I have to do this alone. So I remember waking up that morning and or getting up off the bed and going upstairs. And at this point, we're in the dining room. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell just him. And my mother-in-law sitting in the next room. I'm like, okay, I got to tell her too. And we're in the dining room. And I sit down. And I'm mustering up um, how I'm going to word this. I'm playing it in my head. And finally, I just sit down. I'm like, Mom, Dad, um, I have something to tell you that, I, that I, I should have told you a long time ago. And I look at him, and I remember that conversation playing in my head. Keep my daughter pure. Keep her pure. This is his youngest daughter. This is his baby girl. And I looked at him square in the face, and I said, yes, I will. And I looked, at him, and I, and I looked him in the eyes in this moment, and I told him. I was like, Dad, I screwed up. I had the responsibility to take care of your youngest, and I didn't. And he looked at me in the face, and this is, I will never forget. He looked at me, and he said three things. He said, I'm so proud of who you are. You're still my son, and God will use you in a mighty way. There was an expectation in my mind that, that this is how it's going to turn. This, is, this was the direction that it was going to go. And God did his thing. He was faithful that if I was to be obedient, he'd show up. This was the first time, and so far the only time, I've encountered a Heavenly Father's love. And it was through being obedient and having that conversation with him and being willing to say, God, all right, have, I'll, I'll do it your way. And from that, the outcome is I can tell my father-in-law everything. I can tell him anything. If I could tell him this, I could tell him anything. And in that, I've been given guidance with anything I need help with, and I can trust someone I know with anything. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If I can leave you with one thing today, it's that there's an importance in confessing to a mentor or someone you can be completely honest with. It's valuable. You need to. What the devil wants more than anything is for you to be kept from freedom, that freedom that God has for you. But when you have someone who will give you biblical truth in a moment you didn't expect, the devil's stripped of that power. What was once shame and a lie is now gone from you, and then God opens doors for you to share what you once thought you'd have to keep forever hidden. God is ready to welcome you into a lifelong relationship with him if you're willing to remain obedient in what he asks you to do. The last verse I want to share with you is 2 Corinthians 9, 13. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God to be obedient, for the obedient that accompanies you in your confession of the gospel. That's my gospel of what Jesus did for me. And I know that there's some of you who are holding on to things because you're, you're not sure what you, what you can say to other people because I, I want to encourage you. Eventually, what's in the dark will come to the light. My encouragement to you is to walk out in boldness, to be obedient, because when you're obedient in something like that, God shows up. So, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that there is a willingness, God, and I pray, Lord, that every person leaves this place tonight. They can think of one person in their life that if they have to come clean to or, or, or go to to connect with and talk, that you provide that one person. God, I thank you that there's no fear in who you are. I thank you that there's no shame in who you are. I thank you that in you, Lord, lies freedom. So, Lord, I ask that you break those bondages and break those lies and bring people to us, Lord, that we can, can talk to and connect with. God, bring those mentors that are needed. Bring, Lord, those, those conversations that need to come to surface. Lord, I thank you.
that you are good in Jesus' name. Amen.